On this episode of Signal by the Hawaii Independent, we interview candidates running in the 2014 Democratic Party primary for Hawaii's Congressional District 1 seat in the House of Representatives. This district extends all the way from Hawaii to Kapolei and has been filled by Daniel Inouye, Patsy Mink, and current Hawaii Governor Neil Abercrombie. On this show, Professor Gerald Kato interviews Catherine Zian, who is the current director of GirlFest Hawaii and the Pacific Alliance to Stop Slavery. Maybe we can start off by, uh, let me ask you, why are you running for Congress? I'm running for Congress to give people an alternative uh, of a candidate that truly represents their best interests. I think that part of the problem with the electoral process is that it's become removed from democracy because of the influx of uh, dark money, corporate interests, um, and the temptation that most politicians, if not all politicians, face with uh, allowing the steamrolling of the people's uh, interests in lieu of you know, special interests and large corporations. Well, you know, let's let, let's say uh, you reach your goal of getting to Congress. There'll be a, a lot of issues to be confronting you, and we're going to run down a couple of those issues at least. Let's start with what actions would you take to address climate change? Well, I, I am for a implementing a carbon tax for one, uh, and I would also uh, remove the tax breaks that we give to big oil. I think that's not necessary, and it's unfair for our government to give tax breaks to these large oil companies while so many of us suffer on a day-to-day basis just to make ends meet. I think that we need to move towards clean energy. Uh, In Hawaii specifically, solar energy needs to be implemented. I am supportive of uh, mandating HECO open up its grid to allow for uh, solar innovation. If the military here is doing it, why can't we? Well, let me ask you this. You know, if you are in Congress... There are a good many people there who claim that climate change is not a man-made phenomenon, that uh, they, they're, they're climate change doubters, if you will. How do you, how do you get them to uh, buy into your position? I don't think I necessarily have to convince them to do anything. I think that the science is there. You can't refute scientific fact that climate change and global warming is a reality. We on islands in the Pacific face a really bleak future if we don't address climate change now because the ocean levels will continue to rise. And no matter what the naysayers say, they cannot disprove that. It's inevitable. And it's happening in front of our eyes. Okay, well, let's take a look uh, at foreign policy. U.S. efforts in Iraq have failed. What changes should be made to U.S. policy in the Middle East, if any? And should the U.S. provide troops, weaponry, or uh, humanitarian uh, supplies? We definitely need to provide humanitarian supplies. I think part of the problem is that we aggravated tensions between the Sunni and the Shia in the first place, and we shouldn't have gone in in 2003. Uh, The way we pulled out was too quick. We didn't pull out uh, and give the infrastructural needs and and rebuilding capacity that we should have. Uh, We didn't give enough to uh, fostering a relationship between Sunni and Shia, allowing Sunni to have greater democratic voices in the Shia-controlled government system. And that's part of the problem. It's only gotten worse. I think what these uh, militant... Um, factions are are seeking is 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 a result of uh, in 
extreme abuses and injustice that have happened uh, while we were there uh, that we could have improved, but we didn't. And I think involving ourselves more militaristically at this point in o- only to aggravate the situation is not wise. We need to develop a long-term plan that includes uh, working with the Shia to open their doors democratically to more sh- uh, Sunni voices. Okay, you know, let, let's take a look at another Middle East problem spot. Where do you stand on the uh, Israel-Palestine issue? Do you believe U.S. relations with Israel uh, should change? The U.S. is the largest supporter of Israel as violence increases in uh, Israel and Palestine. What role should the U.S. play? The role the U.S. should play is one of a mediator to facilitate peace. I am in strong support of a two-state solution. I believe that that's the only way that we will achieve peace in the Middle East, uh, in in Palestine. Um, I feel that Palestinians and Israelis alike suffer from uh, abuses that are the fallout of conflict of this nature. But I feel that the dialogue has been overrun by zealots, and that needs to end. I think there are people, both Palestinian and Israelis, on both sides that want peace, but the dialogue is too much in control by the zealots. Let's move on to the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership. TPP is being fast-tracked through Congress. What is your stance on the free trade agreement? Are you convinced of the potential to strengthen economic ties between member economies? What are your positions on um, the contentions such as the uh, fast-track passage and top-secret exclusion from the public, increased corporate legal power, effects on copyright, indigenous economic rights, pharmaceutical controls, etc.? This is a great question. I'm glad you asked it. I am absolutely opposed to the fast-tracking of the TPP as well as the TPP itself. I don't believe it has much to do with trade, definitely not anything to do with fair trade. Mm. Now, free trade is, is, a, is a arguable. Uh, it begs me to wonder who's uh, really freely trading. Is it to the benefit of the people, or is it really the benefit of corporations? And I think the, the latter is the case. Okay. Well, um, talking about trade, uh, let me move to uh, China. China is engaging in uh, territorial disputes while growing as a major economic power. What is your recommendation for Hawaii and the U.S. in terms of engagement with China? I think that getting into a military superpower battle with uh, one of the larger upcoming nations, such as China, is not wise. I think that it would only lead us into economic straits. Um, and what we should do instead is foster the people's will to for a more democratic system within China. You see that happening in Hong Kong, where they're on the verge of a civil uh, revolt because the majority of the people want uh, less of a centralized government power and more of a democracy. These are the types of things that we need to invest in rather than getting into a militaristic pissing contest with a large country such as China. It's inevitable that China will become a superpower, whether we like it or not, and Uh, flexing our muscles militaristically will only drive us into the economic um, bucket of despair rather than taking the opportunity for what it is and uh, not provoking uh, an escalation of militarization, but rather working with them in their democratic processes of uh, fostering more. Um, They need us as much as we need them. We provide their demand they supply us with a huge number of goods. We are economically bound in that sense. Uh, getting into a military contest with them 
is counterproductive in all senses of democracy and all senses of a, a healthy economy. And the Chinese definitely recognize that. Uh, whether or not they want to dominate the entire globe, you know, that remains to be seen. But I think many nations, including ours, would have something to say to that. It's the way that we negotiate global peace is how do we foster a new discussion that doesn't have to do with Cold War, war tactics and fear and scarcity, but more about sharing and transforming leadership and governance. Well, do you see any opportunities uh, for Hawaii in particular to engage with China in terms of um, um, economic uh, opportunities for Absolutely. Hawaii? Absolutely. And I think that uh, focusing just solely on the militaristic benefits economically that we would gain in expansion is not the way to do it because we lack other creative um, alter alternatives. Uh, we can create a, uh, a capital of international exchange with China here in Hawaii that doesn't have to do with military expansion, that has more to do with working together, fostering democratic peace, and also building a, a, an economy that, that is birthed off of democracy rather than militarization. Let me, let me try to move to another part of the world. What is your position on the U.S. prison in Guantanamo? Uh, should the prison uh, continue to operate the way it does as outside of U.S. laws and statutes? No, I do not. I don't think any U.S.-built uh, prison should operate that way. Um, I seem to believe that the president made, president made a promise that he would shut Guantana Guantanamo down, and the things that have happened there uh, really threaten our, our, our core as a nation. It threatens everything about our, our constitution. And if we allow things like that to pervade and persist, then the terrorists have already won. Let me turn, turn your attention to drones. What is, what is your position on drone strikes uh, in foreign countries against terrorists? I'm opposed to drone strikes because they're highly erroneous. I mean, they have a high um, uh, error factor. Uh, they end up killing more civilians than they should. They shouldn't kill any civilians, period. And I think it uh, foments more contention and aggression towards the U.S. when that happens than it's really worth. You know, look, uh, there, there, there have been reports that Secretary of Defense uh, Chuck Hagel has been talking about the possibility of downsizing American forces. If the U.S. Army does decide to downsize in Hawaii, how would you respond? Would you try to conjure more military projects as a stopgap? Would you use this as an opportunity for local community development and other land use alternatives? Which do you believe should be the preferred course of action? Well, first of all, I don't think the government plans to decrease. I don't think Hawaii is one of the states where uh, militarization is going to decrease. I think it's the exact opposite, which I'm opposed to for very many reasons during peacetime. Um, so maybe you'd want to re-ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, um, the, the there is... Uh, in the past, there has been talk, for example, of downsizing Pearl Harbor, and uh, the Secretary of Defense at least has said that the, uh, we're going to change the mission of the defense forces and, and downsize the defense forces. Hawaii being so dependent on the military at this stage, uh, how would you react to any kind of talk of downsizing? Talk of downsizing doesn't have to uh, instill fear in us. We are technically in a peacetime. <laughs> <laughs> And just because the military uh, pr uh, contributes to a large part of the economy, it doesn't mean we need to rely on 
bolstering military presence in order for our economy to be healthy. I think that's a sad state of affairs when we have to rely on the military for income. I think we need to think outside of the box and get more innovative. We are probably one of the most sunniest states in the nation, and a lot of uh, revenue can be generated in green energy and solar power. Talking about solar power, let's let's <laughs> let's, let's uh, switch over to energy policy. How should the U.S. address a rising energy demand? Are you in support of further oil ex- exploration? How should the federal government address challenges against efficiency in renewables? You know, natural gas, solar incentives, caps. Uh, what 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 are the policies there available to uh, encourage uh, energy savings? Well, aside from what I mentioned earlier before about removing tax breaks for big oil and, and uh, imposing a carbon tax, uh, we can do a lot in investing in green energy, green banks, um, and fostering solar power. We need to release ourselves from our dependency on fossil fuels, especially Hawaii. We're the most dependent state. Um, as far as uh, using other alternative clean energies, um, we also need to question whether or not they're healthy for the environment. Fracking, for instance. Now, you don't want to implement fracking on an island uh, where your water supply is very limited and held by bedrock. You don't want to frack bedrock that could um, and in, inject harmful chemicals and thereby tainting your water supply. You don't want to do that on an island. You don't want to do that anywhere. So I'm opposed to fracking for those reasons, and I'm opposed to any sort of um, uh, policies that would further our dependency on fossil fuels. Let me turn to another issue. Inequality in the United States has reached historic levels. What efforts should be made to address the situation? Do you advocate for higher minimum wage, uh, progressive uh, taxation? Absolutely, I do. I, I absolutely believe that every American afford, uh, needs and deserves a living wage. That the, It's the only way our economy is going to revive. I think it's absolutely unfair that we have the most regressive taxation system in the, in the nation. I'm talking about Hawaii as a state. That needs to be formed on the state level as well as the federal level. We need to phase out the payroll tax cap. Everybody needs to pay their fair share, including wealthy Americans. We need to stop giving tax breaks to corporate Operations and start taxing them on their on their profits. There's no reason why we let one out of five, I mean, uh, four out of five uh, large corporations get away without being taxed on any of their income while we increase or look to increase uh, interest rates on students on their college loans and try to take away money from Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security. It's absolutely unnecessary. Even though Hawaii has passed a, uh, a raise to raise its minimum wage, it still does not afford the people of Hawaii a living wage. I would definitely increase the federal minimum wage proposal to higher than 1010. Uh, we need a living wage, and we need it now, not five years from now, not 10 years from now. We need it now. People still cannot afford to pay rent, pay for food, and health care at the same time. It's almost impossible with a full minimum wage job. That's why homelessness in Hawaii is so acute, which is why I have vowed that if elected, I will donate half of my congressional pay to Keiki and Kupuna in need until every person in Hawaii is afforded a living wage linked to CPI or inflation. So it goes beyond the minimum wage. You want to 
Yes, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in economic theory, and the principles are is that in, in order to have a healthy economy, you need a high demand. In order to have the demand, you need a strong labor force. In order to have a strong labor force, you need a living wage. They need to be able to have some ex- expendable income to spend, things, spend money on. If they can't have that or allow even allow be allowed to have enough to feed their families and themselves then you have a cold uh, economy always at a standstill and then that forces all of your businesses and everybody in the community to start thinking about conservation and scarcity rather than thinking about growth and opportunity turning to privacy a recent investigation by the guardian revealed that the uh, department of defense funding for research on how to uh, manipulate users and content of Twitter and other social media. Uh, what is your position on government involvement in the Internet and private information? Should the government utilize new methods of data gathering and surveillance? I am highly opposed to NSA surveillance of innocent civilians uh, without a warrant. It's absolutely unconstitutional. And like I said before with the Guantanamo Bay uh, situation is that if we allow this type of Big Brother Orwellian nightmare to uh, pervade and persist, then the terrorists have already won because we've become just like them. So you you obviously don't feel that the surveillance... Uh provides us more security. No, it doesn't. There's no way that they can possibly process it. Take a look at their intelligence on the ground level uh, in the Middle East and in Palestine and here in Hawaii, for that matter. The DO, the Department of Interior came and they should have known the general consensus or the majority consensus of most Hawaiians and how they feel about a government-to-government relationship. With all of that ability to gather intel on innocent Americans, you would think they would have some clue before they came here and held their meetings. Okay, well, let me, let, me, let me now turn to a, a local issue. Uh, what reparations would you support uh, the federal government making towards a Hawaiian governing entity? I have a very um, strong, deep respect and appreciation for the Kanakamali. They have taught me so much as a community organizer and um, as a non-Hawaiian. I feel that my role as a congressperson and non-Hawaiian would be to facilitate a process focused on and led by Native Hawaiians. As you saw in the Department of Interior meetings, the majority, the vast majority, clearly rejected the idea of uh, nation-to-nation relationship, government-to-government relationship. They want their independence. And if they want their independence, that is what they deserve, and I would support that. Where, where, or does the uh, so-called Akaka Bill fit into this, or, or maybe it doesn't? It wouldn't fit into the idea of independence. It really wouldn't, because they would uh, confine Native Hawaiians to becoming Indians. <laughs> they would be a tribe, and they would lose their ability to claim their right internationally as a, a rightful nation. So by extension, if you go to Congress, you would not support reintroduction of the Akaka Bill? No, I would not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is there anything in particular that you'd like to address that we haven't asked here. Yes, you've asked some very, very amazing questions that haven't been asked in other forms, but the one thing that uh, you haven't asked was GMO and the use of pesticides and how that is 
threatening our Aina water supply as well as the air that we breathe. Um, now, GMOs, many contend are healthy. Some contend are not healthy. That is, you know, remains to be seen. But what is the bottom line here that I think everybody can get behind is that people have the right to know what produce, what foods are genetic, genetically modified, and what aren't. GMO labeling needs to happen. I am supportive of it on the federal level as well as on the local level. Now, I support home rule in the meantime because I know that with this administration, it's going to be impossible for the federal government to pass a law mandating GMO labeling. It's not going to happen on the federal level, even though I would support it. So that's why home rule is absolutely necessary. Counties need to have the right to enforce and pass laws that protect their INA and their families from uh, the dangers of GMO. Now, the dangers come in with uh, the lack of pesticide disclosure and the lack of buffer zones. Uh, these are noxious pesticides that are being utilized along with GMO development. For what reason, I have no idea because everything's hidden. Now we need to know what we need to know what kinds of pesticides they're using. We need to see the GMOs being labeled, um, and we need to know exactly where these pesticides are being sprayed. Because my work in human trafficking with labor trafficking, uh, I've worked with so many dozens of victims uh, who are farm workers that have been um, that have fallen ill to serious serious maladies related to the use of restricted use pesticides such as nasal tumors, cancerous brain tumors, um, paralysis, hand tremors, seizures, uh, and even death. So I know on a personal level that this is a real uh, problem, island-wide uh, island as well as statewide, but that we need to do more to um, relay what's going on to the public. The public has a right to know. You know, the rates of cancer here amongst women are very significant and we need to start doing studies about where that why that is if it's just genetic or is it actually something that is caused by the environment what's happening to the environment you believe that the gmos are related to the cancer phenomenon i believe that the way gmos are being developed and the use of the uh, noxious pesticides coupled with the development that is what is is the most health uh, a prominent health risk facing us today. Mm -hmm. We don't have a real grasp of what is going on because there's no accountability. There's no transparency with this pesticide, these pesticide, the, the pesticide use on this island or statewide. So you would support the movements on various islands uh, for greater transparency. And, yes, uh, they need to start doing it on labeling. the local level. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, because the federal government will be frankly too slow. Uh, while I'm in office. Um, trying to enact uh, laws on the federal level for pesticide disclosure and GMO labeling, um, a lot more policy change can be accomplished quicker on the ground level if w the federal government allows for more um, funding for uh, uh, offices that certify organic small businesses, but also facilitate uh, home rule. You know, I know we've, t we've touched on a lot of different issues today, and I'm, I'm sure we've only scratched the surface but I appreciate your coming in and talking to The Independent today, and uh, we wish you uh, luck in your campaign. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. East Coast, West Coast, Can you really feel me? East Coast, West Coast. Oh, boy, I've been watching you like a hawk in the sky that flies like you and
my place. Boy, I promise you, if we can. 